Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 145. Hurrah, the 40s are rolling through. Indeed, 145 episodes, Nick. Way. It's a lot of episodes. How are you? I'm all right. Got a glass of wine. Got a glass of wine. Got a glass of wine. It's the afternoon. It's the afternoon. Yeah, I know. Afternoon recording, drinking. Mm. Yes, you had the day off, so we were like, oh, why not? It means I can be in bed by six. <laughs> Yay. I have a little gin. Delightful. How civilised. Very civilised. It is for a February. For a fe- fe- February. It's really quite nice having a midweek day off. Did you do anything productive with your well, day off? Oh, yeah, you get lots done. I mean, if it's uh, not your usual day off, it's more productive. Because mm. it was like midweek, so I was up like at normal time, which is like stupid o'clock. <laughs> so, so you go, ah. Uh, and then I cleverly, I think mm. it's clever. I made an appointment at 9.30, so I had to get out of the house. Mm. Otherwise, I would lie in bed till like 11, just going, uh, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> um, I thought, no, make an early appointment. Then I'm up, I'm dressed, I'm out. Yeah. And I've done my errands, and I was home by about half ten, done all my things. That's a very productive day. That's I can I've, sit and watch telly. I was going to ask you, like, when you got up, did you do litre of water and you journal for a bit? Oh, yeah, always. And you watch a masterclass on masterclassing. Masterclass on masterclass. <laughs> this is how you masterclass. Pretty much. No. None of that? None of that. None I watched YouTube for a bit. Got my hair cut. Was that the appointment? That was the appointment. It wasn't some other clandestine appointment. No, I had an appointment. With a, with a wine man. With a wine man. I met <laughs> under the clock with a rose. <laughs> <laughs> and he brought a rose. Yeah. <laughs> that was delightful. Any poisonings this week? Uh, no. No? No? Not no. sure? No, well, as I said on Patreon this week, I think it's I think it's time to let people live. There's been there's been a lot of death and destruction of late. That brought down the tone, but yes, well, the I mean, world I mean, is on fire. No, I did I didn't mean that, but just for episodes of, of people of, who have annoyed me. So I thought, <laughs> no, I'm going to give people a chance this week. When you say episodes, like are episodes or episodes in your life? I mean both, really. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's been having some episodes, everyone. <laughs> I mean, just episodes every now and again. The podcast oh. gets to you every now and then. Every doesn't now it? and again. <laughs> yeah, picking up tapes. <laughs> Well, speaking of drinking during the day, I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Way ahead of you, drinking during the day. Could be a lovely glass of wine. Um, you are fired up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, I've, okay. I've had like not even a glass of wine, and I'm just like. Rah! <laughs> 
thank you very much to patrons. So we have this week we have Jenny Cook. Thank you, Rachel Martin. And thank you to Jacob Gilbert. Thank you for joining us. Mm, delicious, lovely, sexy people. Oh, we had fun on Patreon this week. We had a little mystery. We did. We did. We had a body on a beach. Little hometown mystery. I know, in Ramsgate. And that was yeah. mental. That I was know. mad. Craziness. Who would have thunk it? People are demanding more fabric swatches. Well, there's only so many fabrics in the world, I feel. Find and, more, and I, haven't, Nick. I haven't seen them all. But next paint. I have chosen a paint. We'll have round the clock coverage. It will be very, very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. Of the I'm big actually, refurb. Yeah, I've been sort of walking through the house recently and going, oh, that needs fixing. Oh, that needs fixing. So I've got a <laughs> big old list of holes I need filling and what? Nothing. Rude. <laughs> Despicable behaviour. Vulgarity. <laughs> Moving on. Keeps you busy. Well, Nick, are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Mm. Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Mm. It's just a series of noises that you're communicating with this yeah. week. Yeah. No, we can have a cocktail. We can see what happens. Let's it's, do that. it's about to turn five o'clock. Oh, so it it's five o'clock somewhere, i.e. here. Yes, I hear, I hear right here. Let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is my story this week, and we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. So my story, my pick, and this week's secret ingredient is... Mm. Money. 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 The greatest poison the greatest of them all. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Now, we've done coins before. We have done coins before. So but, 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 but. Stretching it a bit with this one, I feel. No, money. We haven't really done money. The whole of money. Wealth. The money. whole of money. The whole of money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Royal Mint. Fort Knox. Other monies. Monies. I fear there's lots of options. There must money be lots of options. Go around the world. Go around the world. Go around. Have you just gone on a tangent and gone, money, cabaret. Let's cabaret. do everything about Let's Liza Minnelli. Cabaret. <laughs> so with money as the inspiration, the ingredient, what have you come up with? Well, as you say, there are, there's a number of options. You could go quite far with money. You can. I've heard tell. <laughs> tell. So this week. Okay. We're having a million dollar margarita. Because <laughs> you were Yay! bitching earlier about not having a margarita because I haven't ordered any tequila. <laughs> oh, I'm excited! Yay! I was just—I was thinking today. Mm. God, I really want a margarita at like two in the afternoon. <laughs> Felt like a margarita kind of day. Margarita is the sort of time. But a million dollar a million one. Dollar margarita. Oh, I have high hopes and expectations mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I hope will not be disappointed. Yeah, this could be dangerous. Lest the wrath comes. I think it is high time for us to high kick our way into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, million dollar margarita. Million dollar margarita. Mm. <laughs> now, I'm intrigued as to what makes it so expensive. Yes. Do have you put gold in it? I have blended up cash. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boiled the tequila with pound coins. You can whiz up. You can't, obviously. <laughs> but in America, like a dollar, you could throw in. In England, it's a, a pound. It's it's very difficult. Yes, that would that would not go well, I feel. It would, it would fuck up your blender. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, would not taste good. Not taste good, absolutely. And I'm not wasting a fiver on that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks margarita-esque. It does look margarita-esque. I'll give mm, you that, absolutely. It's pretty limey, limey, I sense, because there's a lime on it. Yes, there's a hint. <laughs> it smells of lime. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the what I'm smelling. smells of lime. The snozzberries smell of snozzberries. <laughs> Because it's a million dollar margarita, I'm expecting some sort of curveball in here that is more than just extra lime. <laughs> so it's got a little bit more lime. Okay, well, it smells nice. Okay, good. So nice I'm hoping it will be lovely. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cheers. 
What have you done? <laughs> what do you mean, what have I done? What have you done to this margarita? <laughs> I've made it a million dollars. Mm. <laughs> I've I don't trust you. I've angered Sinead. Something, something's happened to the margarita and I... Where did you hurt it? <laughs> mm, I don't know. What? Do you like it or not? I'm not sure. You can say no. I mean, I mean <laughs> to say I don't like it would mean I can't drink it. So let's, let's not be too hasty. <laughs> let's not be too hasty. Um, I quite like it, actually. It's different. Yeah, well, yes, it has to be different. It is Otherwise, different. Otherwise, it would just be a margarita. <laughs> know, and that's what I was hoping for and expecting, and I'm still disappointed it's not here. Well, what's that aftertaste? You put twigs in this. I put twigs in it. I blended some twigs. There are no twigs. No twiggy. No. no twiggy nonsense in here. <laughs> It's got an aftertaste that's a bit weird. It's what money tastes like. <laughs> this is the taste of money. Taste it leaves of, a bitter taste in the mouth. Bitter aftertaste. Well, explain what you've done to the, the lovely, lovely margarita. Okay, so what's normal in a margarita? You have tequila, you have yes. triple sec, yes. you have lime, you have yes. a dash of agave syrup for a little sweetness if you want yes. it. And then you shake it up and it's your choice of salt or no salt on the rim. Right. One of those things is different. The triple sec. Yes. The triple sec is not triple sec. The triple sec is not triple sec. It's a lie. Something still got a fruity fruitiness to it. Still expensive. Slightly. Still expensive. Well, I mean, that's no. why I was thinking: is it like Strega or something with saffron? No, 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 nothing like that. No. No, uh, fruity twang. Uh, lemon, limoncello. Interesting, but no. <laughs> Let's try that later. <laughs> uh, cherry, maraschino. No. Well, there's no other fruit. Sorry. <laughs> it's either oranges or cherries. That's all there is. Yeah. Um, and, and lemons. I got and lemons. lemons. You got lemons. My apologies. Apple. You got three of the fruits. Calvados. No. I really don't know any other fruits. Sorry. <laughs> this is what well, happens. It is still, it is slightly orangey, but it's not triple sec. Gramonier. We have Gramonier. Oh, okay. What's the difference? It's, it is not just an orangey thing. It does have more other bits and pieces in there. Okay. I don't really know. Oh, you don't really know. <laughs> I know. It's in a different shape bottle. <laughs> Isn't Grand Marnier like a cognac? It, yes. It's a bit more spirity <laughs> than that. It's not just a oh. sort of distilled fruitiness like a triple sec is okay. uh, made from oranges. So, yeah, it does have a cognac base, I think, the Grand Marnier. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. Is that it? Is that That's the it. only sub? Yeah, it's just changed. Just so, the... more expensive orange. More expensive orange. More expensive. And it's grand. Yeah, I don't think it adds anything. Nah, it, it is it's nice. Perfectly fine. But make I would prefer it, it to have it triple sec. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We prefer it to have triple sec in it. I should have got some of that. Is it gold schlager that has the gold bits floating in yes. it or something? <laughs> should have made it with that or Yeah. <laughs> or just put some gold in it. I don't have any I don't have piles of gold lying around the house. What kind of dragon do you think you are? <laughs> I know I'll grate some gold into this cocktail. <laughs> I don't know. I do picture you having like jewels and, dra- and gold just lying around in your bedroom that we're not allowed in. Yes, absolutely. I don't have a bed. I've got a big pile of gold <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> That you curl up in every night <laughs> yeah. watching TikTok. That's, yeah, absolutely. It sounds great. It's a riff on a margarita. I don't think it was necessary. It's not undrinkable, though. It is entirely drinkable. It's entirely fine. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't make it margarita any better. <laughs> well, the million dollar margarita proving that wealth doesn't actually well, buy you everything. Exactly. Mm, we are happy being poor. I take that back. She you, might be. I'm not. <laughs> sometimes the simplicity. We're peasants in. Uh, no, this actually, is good yeah. tequila in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, is this it? is not your top hat sombrero tequila. A top hat tequila would be exquisite. <laughs> we need to make one. Okay, a million dollar margarita. It's perfectly drinkable. Perfectly fine. We're going to make more margaritas in a bit. Should I mind? Oh, definitely. So, with our million dollar margaritas in hand, swirling them around, are you ready for a story, Nick? 
Yes, well, you built it up now. And the million dollar margarita is apt, I think, because as obviously secret ingredient being money, we are going to a wealthy, wealthy time period. We are heading back to the Gilded Age of America. Oh, that's quite wealthy. Yes, very wealthy. It is a time of industry booming and where the rich are extremely rich and the poor not doing so well. Not doing so well. Not no, doing so not well. Ideal. We are continuing to look at our killers who were said to have wielded strange and evil powers. Oh, nice. Now, you remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at hypnotism and mesmerism being a reason for crimes being committed or people yes. saying that they only did certain things because they were under the spell and they had been hypnotized into doing terrible terrible things yeah now i was gonna do this story at first but then when i googled uh, hypnotism right yes okay. uh, and just went oh my god there's so many crimes i thought this chap deserves his own dedicated episode nice so this week we're going to tell the tale of the dashing the dastardly and the deadly harry haywood Oh. Also known as the Minneapolis Svengali. <laughs> okay. Why is that funny? <laughs> no, it's just like, it doesn't roll off the tongue, really, does it? No, it's the place <laughs> where he was, and they went, who does the- Svengali? That's it. Yes, let's let, let's call him that. Respect. Okay. The Minneapolis magician or something. Make it alliterative. Um, Minneapolis mesmerist. Mesmerist. No, well, people were using the word Svengali a lot, and and yeah. really, when you look into Svengali, it's not it's not good. Uh, the book yeah. it's it's an intro- it's a gothic book about a Svengali, a man who convinces a woman to sing, and he gives her the power of to sing. But he's a very evil, shady character. It's really anti-Semitic. <laughs> you look into it, you go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Things, mm-hmm. conclusions were being drawn there <laughs> which should not have been drawn so yes the bulk of this tale as i said takes place in the gilded age so we're talking at the end of the 1800s in america now harry haywood was born in 1865 in illinois and moved to minneapolis as an infant so his parents were very wealthy now i did search through to try and find out definitive information on what his parents did it was just they, they had money they, they just had money. They just- the money. money. Yep. They were rich. Harry was pretty much set for life. Yeah. So he attended a private school. He claimed himself that he behaved like a good boy there. Weird when you claim that yourself. I was a good I boy. I was a good boy. A good boy. <laughs> Just a little bit of bullying mm. and a little tiny, tiny bit of animal torture. Nice. That's just what you want. From his perspective, he was a good boy. <laughs> Said he never did anything wrong, never stole from his parents, never took anything. He was just, uh, you know, got on with his school days. His schoolmates later on were like, yeah, he stuck a cat on a fence. <laughs> or just like on the top of a fence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, impaled it. Oh, right. No, that's less good. Yeah. I thought he was like, place a cat on a fence and the cat went, loo, loo, loo. No, that would be a wall, dear. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought, that doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> he wasn't balancing animals to see if they could do tricks. No, impaled he very much a impaled a cat yeah, on a railing. That's, Let's call that's it a railing. Less, that's less jolly. It did say fence, but I don't know if it's a wooden one or a metal one. I mean, both are bad. Both are, neither are an ideal. <laughs> it's not a good sign. He was described as brilliant and imaginative. And in he his was, impalings. In, in his impalings. <laughs> he was prone to wild exaggeration of things that he had done and crazy stories and then he would become moody and sullen. Also, mm. he was said to have had hallucinations as a Fun. child okay. and prone to convulsions at one point, according to one source. It's not going well for him, really, is it? No, so him glossing over going, I was a good boy, is not so much. Now, a lot of Harry's story, I should say, is taken from an account, an interview with him very near the end of his life. 
where right. he is giving details of his life and his upbringing, but obviously people checked other sources. Entirely unbiased. Unbiased, completely. Entirely unbiased. Now, it was later claimed by a medical scientist... A medical scientist. The best kind of scientist okay. who was not given a name. Harry's family had generations of lunatics. That there was a long history of mental illness, of suicide and delusions of persecutions. That's also a good name for a perfume, I think. Delusions of persecution. Yeah. <laughs> I can get on board with that. <laughs> now, Harry, as I said, mentioned none of this sort of stuff in his later confessions. Just that he was a perfectly normal child and he behaved very well. But he did admit... That throughout his teens, and really for as long as he could remember, money was always on his mind. Yeah. Money was the thing that he thought about constantly, he wanted to obtain. He wasn't poor. Mm. He wasn't without cash. He was pretty much set up by his parents. He would have an allowance for the rest of his life. He could live in buildings that his parents owned. So he had no need to get yeah. money to better himself because he was already there. He just wanted something. We just want more. Yeah, I suppose mm. it's one thing. You've got something, you want more of it. He would later say, money is my god. Okay. So that's why money is the theme this money, week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, getting the mon <laughs> I'm getting a money vibe here, yeah. So in his late teens, to feed this obsession about money, he started gambling. He started going to casinos, he was learning the card games, he was hanging out with seasoned gamblers, essentially hanging out in unhealthy environments, yes, as it was written about later. He had abandoned the teachings of his Catholic schooling and was now focused firmly on making his own way in the world and getting as much money as possible by whatever means necessary. Okay. Outwardly, that's just gambling. Now, gambling, illegal. Not allowed. Not allowed. Not frowned allowed. upon. Frowned upon. But it didn't really seem to put him in bad stead, even though he had started out when he was working nearby, the casinos he went in, he would just try and gamble once a mm. week, and then it built up and built up, and then he joined all sorts of games. He was, by the time he reached his 20s, had a serious gambling addiction. Yeah. But he was also handsome. So society was fine with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he was rich. I mean, it helps, really. Well, rich family. Rich family. He was pissing all his money away down the casino. Doesn't matter. Rich family, good looking. Mm-hmm. Mummy and daddy supporting him. He was part of the upper class, really. Invited to the best homes, mixing with the best people, thanks to his family connections. Doesn't matter that he was a gambler. It would, didn't stop anyone wanting to invite him out to soirees. And also, as I said, he's handsome. He's charming. He's a great raconteur. He's mm. confident. Everyone wanted him around. It was yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. He's not doing badly out of the gambling. Oh, him silly man, silly Can't man. Can't imagine he was the only gambler there. I think a lot of the chaps. Mm. Too money to burn. So why the hell not? Absolutely. I'm sure he was in, yeah, a much company in his gambling. I mean, there are pictures out there. And I must say, those pictures, he is a hardy. <laughs> yeah, beautiful moustache. Big moustache. Big bushy moustache. Yeah. A later writing about him said, To the world, the world in which he moved, he was a cheery companion of an open and rather careless disposition, of a powerful build and wonderful strength. He never boasted of it. He was not given to any form of athletics, not in the least quarrelsome. On the whole, he would be what is termed timid, even cowardly in physical matters. To pick a quarrel with anyone would be the last thing in his thoughts, and he was careful never to allow his temper to carry him away or force him into any trouble. Okay. 
I so mean, what sort of picture do you have well, of this man now? I mean, the, from everything you told me, I think I mean that sounds very good. Mm. So a very calm, collected sort of individual, but also one who delights in impaling cats. <laughs> um, so there's a bit of a dichotomy going on there, I feel. <laughs> he uh, didn't do it as a party trick at parties. Well, no, but I imagine, yeah, so he's, he's calm and collected and not quick to anger in company. Mm. But I think he's getting that anger, that rage out somewhere else, potentially. Outwardly, charming, lovely, life and soul of the party, mm. would slip out the back and impale a cat on a railing. <laughs> just no, just get it out. Just get it out. And there were no strays in the neighbourhood whatsoever. <laughs> Everyone was like, the cat <laughs> population has yeah, gone down. What pests they are. Yeah, must mm. None of those wild animals running around the place anymore. I don't think he was impaling dingoes, which were not known to be native to America. <laughs> no, so, so probably not, no. <laughs> no, no, cougars. That was it. Mountain lions, he was getting those. I'm sure he was impaling plenty of cougars. In the wilds of Minneapolis. So he lived in a lovely brownstone building that his parents owned. It was called the Ozark Flats. And this building is still there today. The building, he had an apartment in there. It was leased out to other tenants. And in 1894, age 29, he makes the acquaintance of a young lady named Catherine Kitty Jing. So Kitty was a dressmaker, respectable businesswoman. She made her own way in the world. Um, Striking. She was reportedly very tall, uh, quite strong, and a handsome woman. Excellent. And you know when they yeah, call someone it's handsome. Not overly complimentary when you're talking a, a woman handsome, I feel. Well, it did her no harm oh, whatsoever. She was in demand with the men. She could toss them about the room, obviously, and give them a good seeing too. She was hefty. <laughs> they were falling over themselves to see her. So much so she reportedly had to leave New York to move to Minneapolis because she had so many suitors who were just couldn't live without her. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's a, a popular lady. A popular lady. Conclusions have been drawn, and some very nasty ones who were yeah. saying that, oh, oh, Kitty, she must have been a prostitute, or she must have done that. That's, I a, think, that's a leap to make, I feel. I think she was probably quite sexually liberated, yeah. did not really mind moving in circles and getting what she wanted from chaps. She was described as grand in figure, large of heart, which I like. I like that. Hefty of bosom. <laughs> <laughs> Wide of hips. <laughs> Bold of vagina. <laughs> Bold? Is that, a, is that a good adjective? I mean, if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not my area of expertise, obviously. When she moved to Minneapolis, she had quickly gotten engaged to a chap, or a man had proposed marriage to her, and then she broke it off. She used to wear the engagement ring that he gave her, a massive diamond ring, <laughs> around her neck in a little bag. Oh, nice, in a, in a little bag. In a little bag, a little chamois bag. Okay. Yeah, she used to carry that around rather than show it. I don't want to be ostentatious by showing off this diamond ring. I'm just going to keep it in a bag, but wear it round my neck yeah. so everyone knows I'm valuable. Yeah, but also that I'm not that I'm engaged, though. Mm. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. So I'm free as a bird. Free as a bird. Very, very, very expensive. Yeah, she was well-liked in the neighbourhood, not just because she was... Um, <laughs> people liked her. She was a nice person. She was bold. She was bold, <laughs> bold in all departments. But she was no wallflower. She was no shy ingenue. She was quite happy to entertain suitors and was never opposed to a shady deal or two. Excellent. In order to obtain money and also get into high society, into the best parties. You know, it, from the sounds of Kitty, she wasn't born into this class. Well, no, if, if you're, she's obviously, if she's a dressmaker, mm-hmm. no matter how good she is, she's not going to be of that status she's still firmly middle class in that way if she's got a she's got a trade she's got a skill mm. a skilled job absolutely but she's she works try her best to climb a bit higher to get into those fancy ballrooms and climb she did climb she did right on to harry hayward <laughs> <laughs> she and harry hayward strike up a friendship they live in the same building they meet 
she's a confident young lady. He's a confident, very handsome, dashing young man, very charming. And they immediately strike up a friendship. She's very impressed with his stories. They have a mutual interest in having a lot of money. (laughs) So there's this kind of accord. Now, it's written in sort of sparse detail in different areas because how can we possibly know what the relationship was between them? We have Harry Hayward's uh, testimony later on, but, I mean, a lot of that can be taken with a pinch of salt, particularly in his descriptions of women. But it does seem to imply that... He had sensed a kindred spirit in her quite early, told her about all the gambling and him going to the casinos. And she probably went like, oh, yeah, love a casino. Absolutely. No no problem with gambling, mate. And then he regaled her with all the fancy stories, which were probably all bollocks, but also moving with gangs that he dealt in green goods, which would be like counterfeit money and stolen goods and stuff just to get some more cash and to go to more parties. Oh, dangerous, fancy man. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And she's like, absolutely great. I'm in on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not trying to live hand to mouth. This Mm. is so we can live a fancy, fancy lifestyle. So we assume that he wanted to get her in on the money-making gigs because she was eager and also having another pair of hands and a confident young woman. Not a bad thing. It would be weird, obviously, if she wasn't in on it. He just turned up and went, hello, I like to gamble. (laughs) Goodbye. Okay, that was a weird introduction. Kitty would often front Harry his gambling wages. Because she was a successful businesswoman, she lent him a lot of money. Now, we can only assume this is because he came back and gave her a cut of the proceeds. Yeah. But she definitely gave him a lot. Yeah. A lot. And this is where, figuratively, not literally, we can think is Kitty falling under his spell. This is not the only extent where I'm going all mesmerism. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, that would be tenuous at best, no. While she may be into shady deals, she's definitely taken with Harry yeah. Haywood. He would later describe her as an easy mark. Oh. But he's quite derogatory about all the women he speaks about. Yeah. He refers vaguely to one woman in his past that he sort of maybe loved, literally in those sorts of words. With Kitty, yeah, she's an easy mark. She's giving him money. Yeah, she was probably getting a cut of the cash, but mm. being large of heart... She probably thought that Harry and her were going to have more of a relationship than they had. Yes, there was a friendship. They probably slept together. Oh, yes. They probably hooked up, but she thought he was going to marry her. And in one account, she believed that his regard for her was genuine. And she consented to those long drives at night. And also to forming one of a quartet where wine and supper was the plan of entertainment. Okay. I mean, conclusions from mm, that? Well, the the long drive at night, that's... Not, not sure what's going on there. Don't you? <laughs> if you take someone a long drive at night... Long drive at night. What's going to happen in that car? Well, not often you're driving, buggy. surely. <laughs> <laughs> this quartet where wine and supper... It, it does... That just impl- sounds like a swinging party. Well, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> he introduced her. They went yeah. along to a party with a couple of friends. There was wine and supper and then wine some... And, and then there was some wine and wine supper and going on. Then dessert was served sexually. Se- yes. <laughs> then the whipped cream came out. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there's inferences of a lot of very happy behaviour. Everyone's happy, having a good time. Everyone's having a very jolly time. Everyone's having a very jolly time. By 1894, things between them had started to get a little tense yeah. between them. This nice little friendship, this system they had going, is starting to wear thin. Mm. Kitty is getting fed up. Yeah. Getting fed up either that she's lending him so much money and she's not getting enough back 
And also, if Harry had made promises to her about marriage and about them settling down, she's not seeing any evidence of this happening. And he must be shagging on the side. Oh, absolutely. He, he's, he's carrying on round town or whatever. And 100% yeah. he's shagging other people. There's also thought that she's got yeah. other relationships. She was maybe hopeful for, for something more from him. Or, or even if that wasn't the case, she's going, right, I've lent you a lot of money. Yeah. I'm not seeing enough of a return here. So she calls in his debts. Fair. She says, right, I've, I've given you a lot of money. You need to pay me back. I'm sick of this. Now, this is in the region. It varies in the different reports. Certainly mm. thousands of dollars. Mm. A lot of money. Now, Hayward is flustered, is annoyed, but he does pay up. Okay. Using counterfeit money. Oh, that's less good. Now, she must have known that this yeah. was a risk. But it's also alleged later on by Harry Hayward's brother, RD, who we will come back to. Mm that there was another element to the frustration and to Kitty starting to make more demands on him is that she had fallen pregnant. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he had paid for an abortion. Oh. But he felt she was becoming a problem. She had leverage over him. Yes, obviously, it would be it would be terrible if, if anyone found out that she had an abortion because at the time, no, 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 no can't have those. Yeah, yeah, but she's going, okay, he's, he's like, okay, she's gotten pregnant. We had to pay for this abortion. Now she wants her money back. He thinks it's time for her to go away. Oh That's never a good thing. He would later say, every time I go up to her room, she puts her arms around me and I would like to put a knife in the goddamn bitch. Okay, yeah, that'll do it. If there was a dog and her, I would rather shoot her and let the dog go. Which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, what yeah. have you got against dogs, mate? <laughs> He's moved on from cats on railings. Yeah, absolutely. He's just stepped, stepped it up a bit. I mean, that's not nice. That's not a nice thing to say. It's not a nice thing to say, but the wheels are turning now for Harry yeah. Haywood, and he's going to use his considerable powers to get the job done. Okay. And I think that's time for a drink. Yes, it should be. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Harry Hayward is set on a path towards murder. Towards what now? Murder. It was murder. Murder. It was murder. First of all, if you are going to get rid of someone, best to take out a life insurance policy on them. Obviously, yeah. See, Harry Hayward was a man who, if there was going to be any death or misfortune, he may as well profit from oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. So he encourages and convinces Kitty to take out a life insurance policy, naming him as a beneficiary. But he does it in quite a cunning way. It's not just that he goes and goes, I love you, do this for me. <laughs> Sign here. Don't Sign ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did this by apparently giving her just shy of $10,000 counterfeit. Oh, obviously. But to help her open a new dress shop. Okay. So to help her expand her business, Yeah. whatever he says, whether he says this is a gambling win, that he's come through to some other stuff, or he says, look, it's counterfeit money, no one's going to know. But take this, open up your business, I'll fund you. But I need a life insurance policy because if anything happens to you, it's my investment. And I'm going to need it back. Uh, Okay, yes. I see a vague logic sort of going on there. It's a business deal. A business transaction. If you were lending someone money, would you not ask for a life insurance policy? If this podcast has taught you nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what the accountants say. Get a life insurance policy on Sinead. (laughs) I'm I'm worried that that's the day that you're going to do this and go, you know, do you have have a will? (laughs) With this policy secured, Hayward set about plotting a demise. But he didn't want to get his hands dirty. Obviously. He was a gentleman. He was a man of high society. He was smart enough to know, I can't be implicated in this. He's going to have to work his magic on some henchmen. (laughs) Everyone Mm. needs good henchmen. This is where his brother comes back into the story. So, Adri. Adri's the older brother. He's always been able to twist him around his little finger. Uh. However, so he tells him the plot. He says this is his intention and he needs his help. He needs his support. But... He does get to the conclusion that Adri is quite weak, weak-willed. He's not very strong. Okay. He can't, while he might have him as an ally, he can't get him to do the deed. It's impractical. So instead, he enlists the services of Claude Blixt. Okay. Who is the janitor of the Ozark Flats, of the building. Right, of the building he lives in. Okay. He and Kitty live in. So now, how he convinces him, here we go. He visits Blixt in the basement of the flats, in his janitor's area, by the boiler, Mm -hmm. and apparently uses mesmerism on him. Or a pile of cash. He is promised cash. Blixt is a man who will do a lot for some money. But he would later say that Hayward fixed me with his eyes. I couldn't say no when he looked at me that way. Nobody could. Mm. Okay. Now, in his Not later... Not that his mummy and daddy owned the apartment, owned the building, and were his bosses. <laughs> Possibly. Well, Hayward would later say he used the power of fear to control him. Right, okay. In his 
this this story that he gives later in his life he explains that he used the power of fear he was saying if you don't do this this will happen this will happen i'll implicate you in this but was was quite charming and was quite nice about mm. it doesn't you know imply that he threatened him yeah, completely. yeah, yeah. Uh, the stenographer who was taking this statement down from Hayward later on <laughs> wrote, you didn't lay your hands on him at all. No. You wouldn't pat him and rub him and do the mesmeric act. No, merely looked in his eyes. I was down by the boilers with him night after night, sometimes as late as half past nine or oh ten God. o'clock. Lots of times. <laughs> Patting so and rubbing him. <laughs> well, that's, the stenographer was kind of trying to lead in one direction, yeah. just going, did you touch him? Did you pat and rub him a bit? How did he convince him? Was there touching? Tell there me touching? everything. Was there touching? Describe it, gamid no detail. Tell me where the touching was. <laughs> On me. <laughs> and Hayward's like, no, all I did was go down to the boiler room every single night and spend a lot of time with him by the boilers. <laughs> so where how- it was really, really warm and we had to take all our clothes off. <laughs> Uh, it was really hot, and then he just gave me a cool lemonade. Yes, and that's Diet Coke. <laughs> oh, oh my, oh my. That's quite exciting. And then he looked into his eyes, and nobody could say no to him. Oh my. <laughs> this is stuff great novels are written yeah, 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 absolutely. I wouldn't have said no. <laughs> Fine, mediocre porn. <laughs> this whole thing about how he mesmerized him. You'd be forgiven for thinking... Did he use some powers of persuasion that people were very happy to say he totally mesmerized me, he hypnotized me? I will mm. use the power of my penis. <laughs> <laughs> look into my penis, look into my penis, look into my penis. Nowhere else. <laughs> now you'll do exactly what I say. <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying that that happened, but it might have done. But you're heavily implying, I feel. And isn't it a more convenient narrative? At yes. that time, when homosexuality is not <laughs> is frowned upon at best, yeah. to say he totally hypnotized me, and then all the authors around went, "This is a great premise for a book." So, yeah, but 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 Claude Blix is now under a spell, under a spell from the Knights of the Boiler. <laughs> And he doesn't get him to leap into the murdering business immediately. They do a practice oh, run. Hayward says, "Burn down a barn. There may have been people in it." It's not said. It was a barn dance at the time. <laughs> And he does. He fucking burns down a barn. Burns okay. down a barn. And the stenographer later on said, like, did, did, you, did you promise him money or anything? He went, well, I gave him $10 after he did it. Yeah, I said, thank you for his yeah. work. I thought he'd earned it. Absolutely. Maybe the bus fare out there. <laughs> <laughs> now, knowing that he could get him to do whatever he wanted, that, that Claude Blix, by whatever means, under yeah. a trance or just under his power was going to do terrible things, he then says to him, okay, it's time to get rid of Kitty. He gave him an entire bottle of whiskey to drink to calm his nerves I'll do it. before the dreadful deed. <laughs> calm him into unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> he's very calm. He's on the floor. <laughs> so he's hammered. 3rd of December, 1894. Hayward told Kitty that he needed her help to deal in some green goods. He had a little system going on. Mm-hmm. He says, meet me outside of the city, rendezvous point. We're going to go and see some people. Don't worry about it. Kitty hired a horse and buggy to take her out there. Uh, the horse, bit of a random fact, called Lucy. Okay. Lucy the horse. Lucy the horse. Of all the things that are left out of the story, everyone names the horse <laughs> in every single resource. Everyone's a big fan of Lucy. And so off she goes, clippity-clop, clippity-clop. After just about to 7 p.m., she goes on her merry way to meet Hayward. At 9 p.m., Lucy returns with the buggy mm-hmm. to her stable. Mm-hmm. No kitty. <gasps> no one in the buggy. Ooh. 
the horse got fed up and just walked its way home. Just <laughs> left. The stable owner is like, this ain't right. There's something strange about this. There's some sort of strange homing horse. <laughs> well, horses will work their way yeah, back to exactly. a stable. They're smart. <laughs> They're clever. <laughs> Lucy also looked a bit shell-shocked. Like I've seen terrible things. <laughs> a short time later, Kitty's body is found. Oh. Found on the road just outside the city. She's lying in a pool of blood. And her skull has been crushed. Oh, that'll do it. Oh, dear. The police assume she has been hit by a buggy. Mm. She has been injured in some accident. Terrible, terrible thing. Take her to the morgue. The doctor who is cleaning the body, examining her, after some time, finds a bullet behind her eye. Oh, that'll do it. Mm. She has a bullet hole in her head. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Don't get them being knocked down by a horse. No. It transpires that Claude had waited, hammered by the side of the road at the meeting spot for Kitty. She pulls up in the buggy, straightens him up. And he says that Haywood is going to meet them further down the road. He's gone back to check that they're not being followed. Mm. Claude's going to go with her. Kitty's like, fine, get up in the buggy. They make their way along the road. And further away from the city, away from anyone else, Claude eventually pulls a revolver out, shoots her point blank in the head. Her body falls yeah. and the carriage wheels roll over it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some reports where it's implied that she was battered mm. after she died or she was shot and then they, they hammered her head. It does seem like she fell out and then she yeah, was, was crushed by the horse by or the, by the by the yeah. buggy. Hayward had made sure to spend the evening at as many public places Absolutely, as possible. Yeah. Get he that alibi was in. <laughs> seen everywhere yeah. with ladies on his arms and friends. He went to bars. He went to billiard halls. He went to the opera. He went to plays, auctions, cockfights, dogfights, elections, people counting fairs. He was everywhere. He was seen and heard. Mm. Now, Kitty is soon identified by the police and Hayward was brought in for questioning as he knew her. Yeah. He insists, though, of course, he knows nothing and nothing about her death. Oh, of course not. But he did let them know that, oh, poor Kitty, she was in terrible debt. Oh. Terrible debt. She owed him $7,000. Really? Mm, mm. She'd borrowed so much only earlier that day. She'd been seen in a restaurant. He had given her... Lots and lots of money in this public place earlier that day. He'd mm. made sure of it. But yes, oh, poor Kitty, the debts had caught up with her. Really? Also, Harry Hayward has many, many, many alibis. Well, this is true. Absolutely. Regardless of how mad he sounds, lots of people had said, yes, we saw him. He, he made this, quite the scene. Yeah, he was definitely there. Yes, he was very annoying. Um, so many alibis he had that uh, Harry Hayward was only ha too happy to keep turning up at the police station and offering them advice. Uh, how kind of him. Yes, I'm sure yes. the police really appreciated it. Suggestions of who to talk to and where to go. So arrogant was he. <laughs> Just like, oh, I've got all these alibis. I can do what I want. Yeah. The police would question several of Kitty's former lovers and friends, but they all had alibis. But the problem would be Hayward's brother. Oh, Adri. Yeah, Adri, Adri, Addy. Addy. He had, burdened by this terrible scheme mm. that he'd gotten involved with, confessed to a friend about what had happened. Yeah. That his brother had wanted Kitty dead and he'd seen to it. And the friend went straight to the police. Good for them. Yeah, good for good, them. Good for the friend. Not so much of a good friend. Well, I'm sure if you murdered someone. Oh, he, uh, me, why does it always come to this? I mean... I don't know. That's a difficult one. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a oh, tricksy one, isn't I it? I like the thought that you thought about thought it. Thought about it. 
<laughs> I mean, I would say go to the police. Yeah. If you came to me and said I've killed someone, if you were if you were laughing about it and swilling yes, a brandy, yes, there with the brandy going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I burned I down that orphanage, got away with murder. <laughs> I might be backing out the door, going to the police. But it's nice that we both went. Oh, maybe I'd defend you. Maybe, maybe I'd give maybe. you an alibi. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Very much not. <laughs> it's him or me. I will sell him down the river. <laughs> but yes, the friend went to the police when questioned. The weak-willed Adri confessed to the plot that. Hayward had put together and revealed that Claude Blixt had pulled the trigger on poor Kitty. Poor traumatized Claude Blixt. Mm. He is not okay. No. He is in a terrible terrible state. He confesses. He lays bare the plot that was put out in front of him. Blix would later end up in a mental institution for the rest of his life. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, I can't imagine, but it's not something you're going to get over, is it? No. <laughs> and he feels like this guy has crawled inside his brain. Yeah. So Hayward and Blix were arrested and charged with murder. And it's Hayward who's tried first. They try him first because they don't want anything that Claude Blix says in his trial to lessen the chance of Harry Hayward being convicted. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So, so it's a kind of a roundabout, like if he was found guilty, then they would say, oh, well, he did it. He and then did it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The trial comes forward um, on January 1895, and in court, both Adri and Blix talk about how Hayward had hypnotised them. Mm. He they they use those words. They said they he had exerted this power over him and Kitty too, and that they all were doing his bidding. And that is just still the language they use. We mm-hmm. talked about this two weeks ago. That in any other trial, any other situation these days, we'd call it coercion. Yeah, we'd call it whatever you yeah, want to call it, like this manipulation, absolutely toxic to the max. But they're calling it hypnotism, mm. as in this mesmeric kind of yeah. method. Uh, Hayward gave evidence, of course, like preening away. No, I yeah. have nothing to do with this. They're he's got all his mad. Alibi, so yeah. Oh, he's got he's his alibi. Like. And he's so arrogant all the way through this to the point of you don't seem very pious. You don't seem very sad. You're just mm. like, yeah, they're not going to get me. I don't care. It would take the jury just under three hours huh. to return a guilty verdict. Good. He appealed. But in the end, the death sentence was handed over to him. Mm. The execution wouldn't take place until December 1895, a year after the murder. But what really shook Minneapolis society was when Hayward made a lengthy and detailed confession awaiting execution that revealed more than one murder. Oh. Mm. Oh. Throw a curveball in there. And this is what has fascinated people for years about this case, about Harry It was Jack the Ripper. (laughs) I shit you not, some people think he was. <laughs> a few people have started to write it on 1890s Reddit. <laughs> In his final days, priests consistently spoke to him and urged him to unburden his conscience. And Harry talked to them at length, explaining that he had no conscience to unburden. Mm. He did not believe in an afterlife. He was not seeking redemption. He was just happy to have a chat, but he wasn't going to do it to a priest and he didn't want to do it for religious reasons. So in the end, he gave his confession to his cousin, Edward Goodwell. And this full confession was put into a book which you can read online in Google Books. It's it's freely available. It's a digital download. It's it's lengthy and convoluted. Mm. And oh (laughs) my God. Hayward admitted not only killing Kitty, but he admitted to committing arson with the barn. With the barn, yeah. yeah. Handling counterfeit money, stolen goods. And killing three other people. Oh, wow. The first, he claimed, was a 20-year-old woman called Cassie Haas, who he'd met in Pasadena. He had shot her in the back of the head to rob her. Of $2,000, she allegedly was just carrying about in her purse. Okay. 
which gives me pause for thought, but he claimed he killed yeah. her, buried her in the woods. Yeah. He claimed to have shot a consumptive man <laughs> who also happened to have several thousand dollars on yeah. him in New Jersey. Killed them, threw the body in the river. And then he claimed to have killed an Asian man who he called a Chinaman in a card game. He detailed the attack. And I'm going to read it out. And this is brutal. Okay. This is going to make you go a little bit. So if you want to skip forward 30 seconds, now is the time to do so. Brace yourself. I knocked the Chinaman to the ground. I kicked him in the belly. I took the round of a chair, as in the leg. He was down and he was howling. And I took it in my hand and jabbed the corner in his eye. And his skull was kind of thin. And I kind of sided it up to the top of his head and smashed it down there. And I got on the chair and sat on it. Oh, for fuck's sake. And you know, it went through right down into him. That was unnecessarily unpleasant, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, people, but... That was grim. Yeah. But the detail he gives. Yeah. Now, is this true? Or are these the ramblings (sighs) of a diseased mind? It seems the sort of thing that you would be able to verify. Because that is going to be reported. A man who was killed in such a way is going to be talked about. It's not verified in any of the sources that I found. It is implied that he is purposely naming people that it would be impossible to verify because he's buried them in the woods the chinaman the asian man that he has killed is involved in a gambling ring the other guy a consumptive man who somehow has thousands of dollars on him implying that these are degenerates and no one looked for them Mm. yet they're very rich yeah yeah they're carrying around thousands of dollars well maybe they're part of the gambling ring you know that would explain it or the gambling scene that he traveled from place to place however all of these confessions when he knows that there's no way of getting out of his death penalty. It all comes pouring out. And he details quite happily in a way that is pretty scarily similar to Ted Bundy with the confessional tapes where he's like, if you did do it, how would you detail it? And it just comes pouring out. And he is very, very frank and gives a lot of description about what he allegedly did and revels in it. revels in it when he ended his interview with his cousin he showed no sympathy and all the hallmarks of a true sadist clearly a narcissist and he used the quote from the famous poem happy is the man Mm. he went to the scaffold on the 11th of december dressed in a fine coat and pinstripe trousers and a big black cloak he requested three cheers from the crowd for himself. Did he get them? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a few. <laughs> let's, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't the last of it. He got uh, on the scaffold and launched into a long, long speech. I have no doubt. Where people were saying that he was acting like a performer on stage. Yeah. And he was cracking jokes. He was talking away. He ke- he said, oh, I have to keep my promise to the priest. Made a promise to the priest. Oh, Christ, please forgive me my sins. <laughs> uh, did exonerate his brother and said, I did him a terrible wrong. He had nothing to do with any of this. The He went on for so long, the sheriff went, please just die like a man. Yeah, just shush now. Just shush now. He was pinioned. The rope was put around his neck. And his last words were, pull her tight. I'll stand pat. Okay. When he dropped through the trap door, 
Turned out the rope hadn't been brilliantly measured. <laughs> and he strangled to death. Oh dear. Phrenologists would get hold of his skull. I'm sure they learned many a pointless thing. <laughs> <laughs> they could not wait to get hold of his body. They were like, <laughs> let's weigh his brain. Let's just look at all of the skull. Look at all the bumps there. Let's look at all the bumps. And they concluded that he was a degenerate biological phenomenon. Somewhat below the savage, but above the lunatic. Right. Okay. I, w- I want to see the scale. <laughs> where the, is where the is scale? The scale? <laughs> sort of above, above the savage, below the lunatic. lunatic. What's in between? Yeah, well, what's, obviously those yeah, are what's, the two. What's, yeah, what's above and below that? So above the lunatic, below the savage. What was below yeah. the lunatic? What's, yeah. The frisky. <laughs> <laughs> the slightly... The slightly naughty. <laughs> <laughs> the cheeky. <laughs> There were theories, though, that Hayward did not die on the gallows. Mm. One very popular one is that he was resurrected oh, yes. by the Freemasons. I mean, they're known for that, aren't they? Really? They are, they are. Re- resurrecting people all over the bloody place. Yeah. When are. you've been strangled to death and then your brain's been taken out, yeah. absolutely fine to resurrect Classic someone. Classic point for resurrection. My personal favourite is that he did not die on the gallows. No, no, he's a substitute. Okay, it was, it was a decoy on the gallows. It was a decoy, a decoy goat. A decoy goat. It had a bit of a chat. <laughs> right. It was a goat that just dropped. And no, no one noticed the difference? Apparently not. No. No, they no, put no. The goat in a fancy hat and a nice It cloak. was the late 1800s, Nick. Goat Goats man. back then. They were, were much more human in They there. were quite fancy. Amazingly articulate. Right. Mm. That one I'm less convinced about, I must admit. Why? I think that's perfectly feasible. Perfectly reasonable. Perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Perfectly, perfectly possible. <laughs> Maybe I, I remain unconvinced. Call maybe me the skeptic. That is the secret weapon that goats have. That they can actually shape shift into people dying. And they have been substituted for bodies for centuries. Oh, that, no. But to say Harry Hayward was merely greedy is perhaps an understatement. Certainly money was God to him. He's been written about time and time again, with people surmising that it was a pure psychopathic desire to kill yeah. and to torment that fueled his crimes. So there we have mm. the tale of Harry Hayward, possible serial killer who may still roam the earth today. <laughs> As a goat. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> I mean, that's deeply unpleasant. Mm. I mean, when you're when you right at the beginning, where it's like, oh, yes, this man impaled cats. Right, psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, yeah, there, there's, there's a strong hint there. The things are not going to go well for this chap. It's a funny story where a lot of the writings for a long time were taken from his confession. Yeah. From this confession in jail. Because he was so detailed and people took it as, you know, oh, yeah, this is what happened. It's like, no, obviously he's going to be biased. But then it was such a sensational case. Like, mm. massive. This is a member of the high society of Minneapolis in the in the Gilded Age. The papers are printing this every day. Everyone's going to come forward and go, oh yeah, he definitely was weird. He did weird yeah. stuff. How much of it is hyperbole? I mean, how much of it is him just such a for such an arrogant man mm. um, and such a self-obsessed man to just try, right, I need to stake my claim on yeah, yeah the, the future so my name echoes down through the years and things. So right, if I make myself, I confess to all these things, mm. they're not going to check. I'm already going to hang. What does it matter? Exactly. If I say, I killed 400 people. Yeah. <laughs> then it just makes him more impressive. The paper's going to go, oh my God. And he actually, yeah, he got his janitor to kill his girlfriend. Yeah. Um. <laughs> he did that just to get her out of the way. Yeah. Well, so why didn't you kill her then? Well, exactly. Harry? Yes. If you've done such dreadful things to everyone else, you put a, a chair leg through a man's face. <laughs> 
but you couldn't do that yourself. No. But then um, she was well known in the area. She wasn't a member of high society, but she was known but those enough other people because she was a businesswoman well in their own areas. He was so vague on their descriptions yeah. because, as I, you said, it's not been verified. So I it, think those are bollocks. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, that I he's, think that's just him trying to show off and yeah, make a make a bigger name for himself. He knows he's not getting away with this. He's going to the gallows. So why not just make up a load of stuff like I'm the greatest serial killer exactly. of all time? Yeah. And and people saying that that would make him the first serial killer, which is nah, not no. That also like negates all of the the Wild West killers. Well, exactly. Like, You've yeah. got like we've done the Heart Brothers and things, yeah, and they exactly. were sort of like early eighteen hundreds, seventeen seventeen hundreds. Um, so no, the first serial killer, no, absolutely not. People trying to go, he he was a shit. People want to make make him grander than he is, which is exactly what he tries to do at the end, make him sound much fancier mm. and much more dangerous and much more scary, where he was just a bit of a shit, really. And maybe that's why there's not as much written about yeah. him compared to other genuine serial killers. It's not like, hey, that's the prize, guys. Mm. But people went, nah, you know what? You're just trying to just claim it. something <laughs> that you never did. Yeah. And, and why, you fucker? Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably, yeah, see, really, he probably actually killed no one himself. No. He got someone else to kill on his behalf mm. um, and plotted and planned the whole thing, but actually he didn't do the deed himself. What do you think, again, of the argument about mesmerism then? Oh, I think it's bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know. I mean, when, I, when you say mesmerism or hypnotism to me, I think of someone in a very much sort of stage show, Darren Brownie performery type yes. thing. Someone who is there. And has got a pocket watch in your face and is now controlling you. And right, go and kill that man and cluck like a chicken and all this sort of thing. Never ask you the time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is probably not what they're inferring to at the time. Someone who is, is incredibly charismatic and charming and mm. manipulative um, and controlling. Obviously, has got a huge sense of self-importance and self-confidence against someone... Um, like the janitor chap, who is obviously poorer, working class. This yeah. is this is his boss. His parents own the building. If he doesn't do what he says, he's going to lose his job. Mm. So a, a much weaker character being completely dominated by a much stronger character. Mm. And I don't think that's hypnotism or mesmerism. I think that's just terrifying psychology. Yeah, that is um, manipulation. I mean, just complete manipulation and coercion. I'll bring in some of the comments that were shared on Patreon the last time we talked about hypnotism. And I'm not going to read them out right now, but I'm going to paraphrase that loads of people jumped in when we asked on our last episode, can you do something under hypnotism that you would never do in real life? And as you pointed out, Nick, that whatever you do when you're hypnotized is tapping into something that you really want to do. But, yeah. you know, the cases are that I never would have killed someone, but he put a spell on me and then suddenly I killed someone. And everyone who wrote on the Patreon comments especially talked about their experiences of hypnotism, their friends and their family members who were in psychotherapy, who are hypnotists, who have experienced it. And 100% of them said, you can't be made to do something that you deep down don't want yeah. to. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. So it's not, there's no way that that could have happened. That, that, that someone who was like, I never would have killed someone. I never would have set that barn on fire unless you were okay with it, really. Mm. Which is horrible, which yeah. is very sad, you know. The, I think not even okay desperate. with it, but it's, it's something that you would be willing to do if you if you had to. He knew he was going to get money out of it, so, Claude Blixt. Yeah. He was going to be paid. Kitty was getting whatever she got out of their relationship. The brother was just being manipulated I think it's exactly, it's exactly the same as, as Claude in, in that way. Okay, he didn't go to it as far. It was his brother, so there was obviously mm. some sort of familial 
not loyalty, but affection there. So he didn't try and persuade his brother to do anything like that. But I think it's exactly the same in a lesser extent that he's just a very manipulative, yeah, dominant character who, yeah, just overpowers these, yeah, these more subservient people. And it is sad when you look back and you see people in court saying, I was hypnotised by a psychopath mm. and everyone reports it as oh it was mesmerism under the spell but you know they they you know they they're dirty killers they're horrible they're horrible and it's like no there was some really horrible psych- psychological coercion yeah, going absolutely. on here there was some nasty shit going down and harry haywood was quite the shit yeah absolutely it, it reminds it makes me think of that well, Kitty was obviously she was equally strong-willed and equally. She was a, a businesswoman um, in yeah, her own right, and, and sort of equally forceful in her own right, mm. which is I think potentially why he couldn't do it himself because oh. he was a he was an equal to to him yeah. that he couldn't dominate, he couldn't manipulate into doing what he wanted. She had her own forceful character. She she no, she'd lent him a lot of money. Yeah, and but now but, she was saying, "Pay me back." But yeah, but on on the promise of returns yeah. and and a, a business arrangement and she has said no i want my money back mm. she's not gone oh, okay fine he called her an easy mark but actually in the end but she was like no no, no bullshit really this is but i want my money back i think to him everyone was an easy mark to him yeah but she obviously wasn't so he had to get rid of her, had to get rid of her. ah well yeah. what do you think people what do you think of the story of harry hayward written about by certain writers so well and there's so many resources online that you can dive into and read his confession in detail i mean it's a bit of a slog and also yeah. halfway through you go oh you're just a shit oh, just i don't want up. to read this anymore <laughs> yet he he goes into great detail about his life that you have to take with a pinch of salt but what do you think of the case what do you think of kitty what do you think of all of the bit players in it and what do you think again of this argument of can you be hypnotized mesmerized into doing what someone else wills you to do do what do we think went on in the boiler room (laughs) <laughs> late at night with people staring into each other's eyes yeah. and that very hot steamy environment over, over the flames of the boiler <laughs> I, mean, I mean again i'm just gonna go with you know maybe some stuff went down that it was easier to say i was hypnotized rather than love the dead not speaker's name <laughs> tell us what you think jump on the comments of this episode of any of the social media channels that you follow and share your thoughts your theories and your musings but most importantly you must mix up a margarita and perhaps yeah. a million dollar margarita oh, i wouldn't bother just stick with triple sec stick stick with a normal margarita I mean it's a classic for a reason it's damn good it's okay if you've got grandmania in the house give it a go see what you Mm. think it's it's certainly okay it's perfectly pleasant it's an acceptable substitute If you don't have any triple second yet, you have a whole bottle of Grand Marnier. <laughs> You've bought the Grand Marnier to flambe some crepes. Yeah, exactly. There's always a bottle dusty at the back of your shelf. So you can substitute it. It yeah. actually, weirdly, even though it's more expensive, it doesn't give it the same zing. No. It doesn't give it the, the, the cleanliness and the I would crispness. Stick with the, yeah, triple sec or the Quandro. Mm. Absolutely. But the recipe will be out. So if you do want to give it a go, crack on. Let us know what you think. Delicious. Remember to leave us a review on Apple iTunes if you haven't already. And please come and follow us on TikTok if you haven't already. Because we're there now. And Sinead's there now. <laughs> you I keep... might be at some okay. point. You keep saying, Sinead's on there, Sinead's on there. You can join me anytime you want, Nick. I know. It involves <laughs> me doing things. And I'm very lazy. It's okay. It's fine. I already went viral. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, thank you to everyone who watched videos that we put out. Bloody hell. But yes, come and follow us on there. Send us suggestions of videos that we can share or on Instagram or any of the channels that we follow. And find us on Patreon where there are scores of extra episodes, lots of bonus content and general banter for you to enjoy. Very exciting. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye!